This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have with this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Jeff Jonas, founder and CEO of Sensing. I've become particularly focused and call it obsessed with this thing called entity resolution, which is technology that figures out when two people are the same. It's a hard problem for folks. And when you can solve that well, you can solve all kinds of problems and create all kinds of competitive advantage. There. Primarily, they require experts to make them operate. They're pretty darn expensive. The good stuff's at least a million. So the big idea is to democratize that. You, wow. you, and that means, you know, not just help the, the big elite organizations understand who is who in their data, but what about the small nonprofit that just got duplicates in their Christmas mailing list? What about them? And that's the big idea. If you can take 10X out of the complexity of getting it going, then why not take 10x out of the price? So when you when you change simplicity that much and you change cost that much, it opens the door to being able to democratize something. This is Jeff. He's an acclaimed data scientist. He's at the forefront of solving some of the world's most complex business and big data problems for governments and companies. A former IBM fellow, Jeff is the leading creator of entity resolution systems. National Geographic recognized him as the wizard of big data. And today, Numerous organizations rely on his systems to extract useful intelligence from tsunamis of data. He has tackled many high-profile challenges, including identifying potential terrorists, detecting fraudulent behavior in casinos, connecting loved ones after a natural disaster, and modernizing voter registration systems. Jeff is a three-time entrepreneur and sold his last company to IBM in 2005. Jeff is a highly sought-after speaker. He regularly meets with government leaders, industry executives, and think tanks around the globe about innovation, national security, and privacy. In 2016, he founded Sensing, based on a one-of-a-kind IBM spin-out of the G2 technology and the team that created it. That product was founded on the vision to revolutionize entity resolution. The story behind Sensing inspired me, hence I invited Jeff to my podcast. We explore the power behind entity resolution as the fuel to create the most advanced fraud detection, scoring, recommendation, or intelligence systems. We also address the need to democratize this type of technology so that it can be of benefit to any company. And last but not least, we address what is required to create solutions that people want to tell others about. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, 
why sometimes you have to bite the bullet to make the hard parts work in order to create real shifts in value. Secondly, that with today's technology, there's a multitude of opportunities to democratize capabilities that up to now were only available to the elite. And thirdly, what the ingredients are to create solutions that turn customers into fans. Jeff, thank you for being a guest on my podcast. And before we start, it's always an interesting thing for my guests to understand what drives you, uh, what are your passions? Well, most of my life I've, been, I've enjoyed inventing things. And then on that journey, and it's been kind of a wide range of things that I've worked on, I've become particularly focused and call it obsessed with this thing called entity resolution, which is technology that figures out when two people are the same. It's a hey. hard problem for folks. And when you can solve that well, you can solve all kinds of problems and create all kinds of competitive advantage. So i become utterly obsessed with that. I do it for fun. I, I dream about it. <laughs> I think about it while I'm on long runs. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, uh, that's always good to kind of make your passion and your obsession, your, uh, your real work. So to get into what you actually have started with Sensing, what is the big idea behind Sensing? Well, my last entity resolution company, I, I sold to IBM in, in uh, 2005. And today, if you were to look at and canvas the entity resolution technologies that are on the market, there's about roughly 50 companies. And one of those products is, the, is called Identity Insight, the, the one that I sold to IBM. But if you look at these, they're primarily, they require experts to make them operate there pretty darn expensive. The good stuff is at least a million. So the big idea is to democratize that. You, wow. you, and that means, you know, not just help the, the big elite organizations understand who is who in their data, but what about the small nonprofit that just got duplicates in their Christmas mailing list? What about them? So that's the big idea. I mean, kind of to roll back, I understand the, the challenge in the market and that the, most of the solutions are, are solving the problem, but for, a complete, well, for an audience that for most companies are completely out of reach. But what is the issue with, what is the issue that entity resolution, uh, yeah, entity resolution resolves? Well, it resolves when two records are about the same person. It's, it's something probably every listener has experienced. Like if you look in your, in your phone and your address book and you see some duplicates in there like the first time you met them you didn't know their last name so you put in a question mark and the second time you met them you learned their last name and then you got their yahoo email address and now you have two or three entries for the same person yeah. that's an entity resolution problem true when organizations have marketing lists and there's duplicates in there so they contact you three times because they think you're three prospective customers that that's an entity resolution problem when the boston bomber came into the u.s he was on a watch list but he was missed because when he came into the country, there was one letter missing in his last name and no one, it didn't match the watch list because it was one letter off. That's an entity resolution problem. Yes. And it's, it's helping companies to do that, well, to, to, to solve that at scale and to <clears throat> yeah. solve that almost in real time as well, I would say, because otherwise you wouldn't catch someone that's a bummer. Yeah, real time has been something we've been working very hard on for a long time. There's plenty of companies that can do match identities in batch, but if you're doing it in batch, then you have this window of time where you're not making the most sense of your data. You're you're giving somebody the loan and or giving them the job, and you maybe shouldn't have. So yeah, exactly. real time is going to be progressively more important to be competitive. Uh huh. 
So what do you do? I mean, that fascinates me. Uh, you say there are, you, first of all, you sold your solution in 2005. That in these type of, time of age is, is, a, well, is more than a decade ago, which it is, but it's really a long time ago. So it's been an area that has been having a lot of automation already, a lot of thinking already. So what did you do specifically to democratize it? Difficult word for me. In 2009, while I was still at IBM, I went to my, my boss and I said, you know, if, if I could start building it over from scratch with my team, knowing what we know now, what we've learned, I just said we'd build something that didn't require experts to train it or tune it. It would be self-tuning and self-correcting. It could change its own mind about the past. It would work on small data sets, big data sets. You could use it on company data or people data. It could be on Chinese manufacturers or Singapore restaurants or U.S. marketing. I'll bake more privacy by design into it. I just went on and on. It was like they're going to be the Swiss army knife of entity resolution. I said it might cost roughly 50 million to build it. They asked if I could start with five people. And I said, okay. But the, the big thing, and by the way, we worked on it for two and a half years privately as like a skunk works project. Then we announced it in 2012. And, but the really, the biggest thing of all is we built a specialty AI. We didn't use AI to create this. We built a specialty AI that would resolve identity data and do all those different domains. You could do companies in China, like if you're trying to do supply chain integrity, you, if you're trying to do location-based services and where are restaurants near here, you could do restaurant data from anywhere in the world, India or China yeah. uh, or Singapore. And it's all the exact same engine without, with all the same config, with, wow. without a single expert needed to train it or tune it. No training data needed. I mean, that's the big idea. If you can take 10X out of the complexity of getting it going, then why not take 10X out of the price? So when you, yeah. when you change simplicity that much and you change cost that much, it opens the door to being able to democratize something. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And it's also a good for you that you say, uh, it's, we are making it 10, 10 times easier to get, to get going, but the price is also 10 times lower. <laughs> Normally organizations would say, but the price is the same. There's a huge benefit here. But this is, this is interesting. So what are, what are compelling use cases? And I mean, what is the opportunity if you get this right? If an organization starts using this, what will they start to see yeah, immediately or after a short while? Well, one of the places we're seeing a lot of pickup is in financial services. And one of the things they are challenged with is AML and fraud yeah, and catching bad guys. So while entity resolution is very well suited to marketing data, it's particularly well suited, at least our style of any resolution is particularly well suited to catching clever bad guys. And I'll just, I'll just tell you in a nutshell what's the hard part is clever bad guys don't use the same name, address, phone number, passport number, date of birth on every record. Only the idiots would do that. So they'll use their middle name. They'll, they'll get a passport in a different geography. Like they used to have a passport from country A, now they have a, a passport from country B. Mm -hmm. And so they alter their identities. And so there's a trick that you have to do in entity resolution. You have to be able to learn over time every social security number they've used. You have to learn over time every name they've used and every date of birth. Yeah. And so what will happen is a, a bank, and this is, I mean, I mean, call it fun for us, the technology guys, it's probably not that fun for the compliance folks, but they will routinely find some, not a ton, but some of the following. They terminated a customer for money laundering or suspected money laundering, but that customer turned right back up and they have four more accounts with the same bad person. They just didn't notice. Huh. 
So when you run entity resolution on that, you it illuminates that. It, yeah. it eliminates the fact that you have four customers that you're really, you love them, man. They're great customers. You're going to grow them into even better customers. But you don't realize it's the same person or organization that you got rid of three yeah, months true. ago. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's, uh, I, can, I can see those, yeah, empty moments. <laughs> yeah. People write down things on a piece of paper right then and there and then kind of run off to go figure out what to do about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, is, I mean, how would you categorize the value of this? Is it more of a, is it a revenue booster? Is it a, is the cost saver, <laughs> reputation saver? Where is the real, where is the, the, the no-brainer behind this? The Most of our people subscribing to it right now, and when I say subscribe, we're not hosting it. We don't get people's data. We don't no. bring data. We send people software and they run it locally on their own computers or on their cloud with their data. We don't have our hands in it. It doesn't phone home. Okay. But the number one reason uh, people are subscribing right now is it's cost. It just takes so much cost out. You, you would be surprised how many companies, if they have homegrown entity resolution, they'll have five people, 10 people, 50. I know companies that have 100 people working on entity resolution. Really? My yeah. God. I'm not kidding. It's crazy. So uh, one company that I know of has a bunch of analysts and their analysts have to deal with a lot of false positives. If you don't have really good entity resolution, then you end up getting too many hits. True. Their payback time to running entity resolution, it's a compliance screening thing. They've got to make sure every, every financial transaction is not on a, a sanctioned screening compliance list. Their payback time is going to be eight days. <laughs> eight days. Eight days. It'll have paid for itself. Well. That is, our, uh, you know, our price point is so low. I mean, literally 10,000 records is free. 50,000 records is $5 a month. Some of these watch listing customers that we have have less than 2 million records. They pay $8,000 a year to yeah. literally get million dollar software to, to, to help them with their compliance. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's not that's the cost, but it's also that maybe re reputational damage. Then that's, you know, mm -hmm. that can go like beyond what you would, would believe. That's true. I mean, we, our engine is super smart just because my team and I, we spent a few hundred years collectively working on this. So the outcomes we produce are fabulous. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it does seem like most people's first reason to buy is it saves them a lot of money or time. The second reason that they'll be thinking about us is our engine is just so advanced. It's got more privacy features. It's real time. It scales to billions of records. You can run almost a half a billion records on a beefed up desktop computer. Uh-huh. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I mean, f f well, first of all, because you've been in this for so long and this is now your, your second attempt to it. I mean, going into that type of, in, into the product strategy side of things, what do you believe are the top three things to deliver a remarkable product or to, well, that, well, what, what makes this product a remarkable product? Well, number one is it has to be easy to consume. And that means, I mean, I think about that like dissolving under your tongue. So in other words, people download it and they don't need to call, but they love it. That's, that's, I think, really the single most important thing. The second thing is you want the accuracy to be really high. You just want it to be smarter than other options. Because this engine that we have is self-correcting, that means when it learns something four months from now, it goes, it not only uses that new knowledge to go forward smarter, it looks backwards and see if there's anything it can fix. True. But you never have to reload. That, that just means that you've got the most accurate data at any given moment in time. And the third thing is it allows you to pivot and be agile. 
Suddenly you have three new data sources. Suddenly you want to move into another geography. You want to go from a US centric thing to South America and into Europe. And there's just no additional work needed. So that allows leadership of a company to just very quickly take their products and offerings into new, in the new geos and new data sets. So I'd say those are probably the three most important things. Yeah, I mean, I can only agree with it. But I mean, that's also why I was asking, like, what are the, the what are the reasons, no brainers to to adopt this? And what I what I learned and what you also mentioned is, it often is cost or possibly risk, but primarily that that that, that element of pivoting and and getting new insights, new data sets to do that next thing, I would say is the big opportunity here. But that's, yeah, you know, uh, I can, uh, let me just add one more thing to that is the existing entity resolutions that are out there require these Jedi Knights, these dark art scientists, you know, who are practicing the dark art of entity resolution. There's just not that many of them. They're expensive and you have to keep them around forever. And it makes it hard to, hard to be agile. You become beholden to these finite number of experts and that's just not needed anymore. But I'll tell you, that took a lot of work. I can't imagine. Exactly. So, I mean, what I see is that the product is pretty, diverse it fits a lot of use cases uh, was there any i mean what i always like is the quote from from steve jobs he said you know innovation is not so much about what you do but what you don't do but where you say no to were there any of those moments there where you where you had to say no in order to keep your product on track because i, I can see that you've you actually can go pretty broad with this yeah we can go pretty broad with it you know when i spun out of ibm Prior to, because this company, Sensing, is a, is a really unique one-of-a-kind spin-out. We, we invented the core technology codename G2 inside of IBM. And what we have at Sensing is we have the key team. We get to practice 100 patents. And we have a license to that, okay. to that code. But when I spun out in September of 2016, I, I started by thinking about what, what I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be in the business where you have to go run POCs for everybody. I wanted to be able to make it self-service so they could run their own POCs. I... We'd done a lot of work over the years in ETL where you're preparing the data to feed it in. We'd done some work in connecting downstream systems where you're scoring records. You know, is it good news or bad news? Red light, green light. But none of those things made us special. So literally the way to think about us is we take a complicated task for programmers and make it easy. That's what we do. We've literally turned entity resolution into a function call. So programmers or people building solutions can just embed it lightweight, easy. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's fascinating. I mean, that's I'm currently writing a book about what makes uh, business software companies remarkable, and uh, one of the traits is indeed that they have very clear understanding about what they are and also what they are not, <laughs> and why you are in this world, to, what's what problem to solve. And I I think I see from this that you clearly have a very good idea about it. And that drives the direction. That it's, it's very narrow. Exactly, but but it's. Yeah. Yeah, but not not narrow in a way that it that it inhibits you. What I, for example, see with a lot of companies that they are they saying we're very narrow. We only do one thing. We do, for example, CRM, or we do procurement. Yeah, that's narrow. This is like you're solving a particular problem that is that that can be so well can be applied to to many use cases and can evolve over time. And that's yeah. Uh, you know, I'm kind of inspired by companies like Stripe. I mean, that's a complicated task made easy for programmers. You could either write your own credit card interface or you could just Stripe. Same with Twilio. You could either write a cell phone interface for your app or use Twilio. Those, those are the kinds of companies we aspire to be. True. Yeah. Can I completely agree with that? So 
in terms of, let me see if I uh, missed anything here. Well, uh, in terms of selling this, I mean, how long has the product been been on the market? You said you spun off in 2016. Yeah, we spun out in, I think, September, August or September of 2016. We came fully out of stealth in June of, of, of last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of when we really, you know, opened up the pipes and let the world just download it. We, you can download the software without even telling us an email address. Like you really? can just try it on your own data. Okay. <laughs> but, but well, what triggered me, you said yeah, we're not a cloud service. We don't uh, run, uh, run it in the cloud. You just download it and you run it on your own machines. Is there any specific, specific reason for that? You know, just trying to take the friction out. As soon as, as, soon as you say, uh, send us all, we're going to host it. You're going to send us all your data. People are sitting there going, wow, I'm going to send all my customer data to some company mm, I've not heard of. That's just friction. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, it, it's, we designed it for cloud. It was built ground up for cloud. Yeah. If you want to run it on AWS with 10 nodes or 100 nodes, go ahead. But you can also <laughs> run it on your laptop and you can run million plus records on your laptop. You could start by deduplicating your own address book just to see how it works on your own data. And then you can clean up your company's marketing list all this afternoon. I'll do this. <laughs> Try it. Yeah, okay, I understand that. And that's indeed the, the, the friction is, is uh, often an element, but that's also why I led to, what, what led me, leads me to my next question about uh, selling. So what did you learn in the selling process? Right now, we're not really marketing it. It's kind of interesting. Just our, our customers or partners that are interested in our technology are finding us and the, our customers that are using our software are telling others about it. It's right now kind of all word of mouth and referrals. It's fascinating. I, I really had anticipated having to spend a, a significant amount of money for people to be able to discover us. But I'll just tell you, people just, people are showing up. And because you can just, they can download it and try it without even giving us an email address, it's very safe for somebody just to give it a go, kick the tires. Yeah. So by the time the phone rings, well, or we get an email, it's somebody that says, hey, you know, how much for a hundred million records? And then we say, hey, we publish all the prices on the website. And they didn't even have to call. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, right? That is the dream of every company that you have, that you don't have customers, but fans and the fans then do the work for you. Boy, isn't that the truth? You know, yeah. we are, are kind of our internal on our monthly all hands call. I mean, I'd say to the team, I go, what makes sensing amazing is no one calls, but everyone loves us. And the no one calls doesn't mean we don't want to talk to people. It just means it's so easy that they can just get business value out of it and do what they're trying to do without a lot of effort and needing support tickets. And we've been really working at that. We've been taking the questions that people have and either changing the products that no one will ever have to ask again or building uh, articles in our knowledge center. But it's ease of use, man, ease of use. If you can't solve that, you can't really scale. Yeah, and it is, it is ease of use beyond the user interface. It's, it's the whole experience from starting to, uh, to finish. Indeed. Now, and most of our customers, yeah. by the way, integrate us into their user interfaces. We're not a user interface company. No. It's best to think about us as, as you know, input files like, like, like real-time JSON messages in and out or uh, reading out of flat files if it's somebody that wants to use us for batch, even though we're, we're real-time. And then they would interface us with their case management or they would interface us with their graph visualization. Or just use us as a scoring engine to determine whether or not somebody was a hit on the compliance. And if it does, then it puts it on their existing, you know, alert system. Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about this particular part. Well, 
were there any surprising byproducts out of the development uh, cycle or, or is, is maybe sensing a byproduct of what you already did before? You know, it was really the inspiration from uh, years and years of building entity resolution and this, this unique ability. Not often in your life can you have worked a long time on something, have a big vision, and then say for $50 million, you can start over from scratch, scratch and utterly revolutionize something. And I'm, I'm really, IBM was really good to me when they bought my company. They were really good to me while at IBM and allowing my team and I to spend two and a half years getting it right. Yeah. And then good to me uh, on this uh, very unique spin out. So, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, at that point in time, of course, it was, it was the leading product, but you see how things evolve and uh, you can never sit, lean back and, and say, well, this <clears> is it. We, we, we've, we've nailed it. Because see what you've done in the meantime. You've created the, the, the disruptive product for, uh, for your own product again. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's done. I mean, in 2012, we deployed a system for a nonprofit called ERIC, E-R-I-C. Uh-huh. And today they are doing voter registration modernization. It's run by the states. Over half the country runs on the system. Get this, half the country's voter registration runs on one of our uh, G2 engines for entity resolution. It has 300 plus million records in it and their entire IT department that services every, all 24 states plus Washington and all the different files and any resolution, their entire IT department, everybody is one human being. Wow. <laughs> it's just unheard of. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. it's all, those, all those numbers and you expect uh, something with three or four digits. So it's... yeah. We're really proud of that. That might be one of the more systems that we're really most proud of. It's a real, it's an entity resolution problem. A lot of people move and forget to unregister. Probably, I'll bet almost, oh, I don't know, a huge number of your uh, listeners would have lived in one state and moved, but I would just ask them, hey man, did you unregister? And the answer will be almost in every case, no. And this system helps correct for that. It helps notify, it allows states to notify voters to ask them if they moved and it tells them which one. One. Uh-huh. There's a great story in New York Times Election Day. Uh, Googling my name and New York Times finds okay. this one particular story. If anybody's I'll, people I'll are pretty passionate about the, voting. Our call. So, I mean, we already, you already addressed like the things that you're most proud of. A pretty cool example, by the way. What do you believe is the secret to building a remarkable software business? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm writing a book about it, but you have one. What do you believe is your secret if you want to share it? Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, I think it's having a really high, high quality product that is easy to consume, that people want to tell others about. And I, I, I don't, if you don't have those three things, and easy to consume also means price, also means complexity, it's hard to build a company that, that really goes vertical and makes a huge difference. It can be done, but it takes a lot more brute force. Yeah, true. And that's, uh... Did I miss something? Pope, no, Pope. no. Um, you know, you just hit me with that, and I would, that's what comes to mind. Is there a fourth thing, or is there a number one thing you would put above that? What's your book going to say when I read it? Is it a question to me? Yeah, <laughs> I know it's. I know you're interviewing me, but I'm just asking you. Did I overlook something when you just poked me with that question? I mean, there's so many things to it, but uh, I think you've you've highlighted a very. For me, from my perspective, it's absolutely a high quality product that addresses what you're ideal customers need so it's it's really narrowing down almost if it's one person like solving the problem and that problem from my perspective always needs to be something that's that's a highly valuable problem that's that's urgent to fix 
And then how you fix it is about expectation. And I think that you've you've got a, the answer to that. You know, you need to solve that problem in a way that is going beyond expectation for for the end user or for the company. And once that is happening, people start talking about it. And I think a lot of companies start on that, but then over time they um, they become too comfortable and they lose their edge. And it's the trick for many companies to to keep that curiosity going in order to uh, to move it onwards. So you know you you know you've reminded me of, uh, on the topic of making it work really well and ab- above expectations. When we describe ourselves as the first real time AI for any resolution, the definition of AI that I'm using is systems that act smart. I'm separating often that's conflated with the term machine learning, which the definition I like for that is systems that learn through experience. Some AIs use machine learning, but not all. Yeah. Our sensing engine learns through experience, but the part about delighting customers, we routinely have our users uh, uh, send us you know, notes or give us updates on calls when we check in and they tell us that it's producing answers. Humans will find something that we miss, but more often we find things that they miss. So we're, we're hearing that we're at least human smart. And so that's right to your point about trying to delight people and get ahead of their expectations. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we don't have to go into the details of, of AI, but uh, that, that is a fascinating area in itself. And I realize there's a lot of hype around AI and a lot of companies say we have AI, but initially it's, it's just a rule-based system that you possibly even have to set up yourself. But it's, it's uh, yeah, that's self-learning aspect and finding the patterns. Do you do any, anything with predictive and possibly even prescriptive action? No, those would happen after you do entity resolution. After we combine the data, you know, is it three people with three transactions or each, or is it one person with nine transactions? We answer to that. And then from there, you pass that to the analytics. We used to do some of those analytics, but it, that's never the thing that made us special. So that comes downstream. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's but a good examples, exam, an, an example of our real-time learning is we will learn over time that Bob has a nickname, Andy. And the moment we learn that, it's smarter going forward. But we look backwards and say, now that we know that Bob has the nickname, Andy, are there any decisions we've ever made in the past that could be made better if we revisited them? Yeah. And changing your mind about the past, imagine that you've seen a billion records. Now you get record billion and one. Yeah. You have to say, now that I know this, had I known that in the beginning, would I have made any different decisions and then fixing them right then? Man, I'll tell you, that's not trivial. And that's, that's just very few technologies are capable of that. It took us oh, a few hundred years of work to get that done. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. That's, 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 so where gets, that's where it gets really smart. So from all the things that you've learned so far, talking about, you know, kind of what advice would you give your customers, CEOs? I mean, who, who's a typical decision maker for this type of technology? Is that, a, is that the CIO, CTO type of person? No, it's, it's the engineer. It's the project manager that's been tasked with, you know, hey, you need to get the duplicates out of that system. And, uh-huh. and then they're going to sit there and they're going to start making a buy versus build decision. Yeah. You know, they might have two people on their team now that do it, but maybe they need to go to four or maybe they, are at, uh, maybe they need to go to 40. Or they're going to go out into the market and then see if they can acquire such technology. And the advice I would have for somebody trying to solve this problem would be before you spend a lot of time and energy on these things that will be 10 times more expensive and not real time Uh is just to download Sensing and try it. 
Yeah. You can download the desktop app and try it on CSVs, or you can download the full product, the real APIs with all of our name libraries and all of the address libraries and everything for free and see if it works without having to spend a penny. Yeah. That's what I would, that's my advice is uh, save yourself a lot of time and hassle and just try it. And then call me if it's not as easy as I say, or email me. I'd love to hear it. But more often, I mean, really 80% of the people that try it tell us it works out of the box without a single tweak. Oh, that's fantastic. 80%, yeah, which is a huge number, especially what in this field. What I also realize, of course, you know, when you are responsible for entity resolution or when you have, you have to solve the issue of, of data duplication, you know, you know what you're looking for. But what I also realize, maybe there's an inertia in the business, that a lot of organizations don't, don't even understand that they have a problem. I mean, I, I was recently talking to an AI, AI vendor from Montreal, or is it Toronto anyway, Canada? And the argument was, you know, they, they are specializing in fraud. And of course, they are selling to auditors. Typical thing was, you know, we, we got it covered. We have people that are doing this. But then there was a study from the Chartered the Certified Auditors Association or something like that. And they said, for every dollar that we find, we miss out on 15. So there's 93% missing. And a lot of organizations don't, don't even realize that. So You know, that goes back to this. I call it channel separation. It's no clever bad guy uses the same name, address, and phone on every record. They separate it out. Yeah. It's kind of like if you email somebody and you send them an encrypted document, but you call them with the password, that's channel separation. Every single clever bad guy uses channel separation. They don't use the same data. True. That means if you can't see through that and consolidate those channels, you don't catch the clever ones. So when you talk about all that fraud that goes undetected, uh -huh. a huge chunk of that will not be locatable unless you can figure out that this Kenny record is that Mark Kenny record. True. If you can't figure that out, you won't ever catch them. No, but I mean, it's the, it's the learning and the education that you have to do at the, at the sea level to make Oof. it, isn't that the truth? <laughs> that you have a board problem, or you have a comp well, you have a problem that that is that's hidden but extremely valuable. That's by the way, I've learned that in an earlier invention I had is that if your product success starts with you have to be in the education business, it's actually a different kind of business. And fortunately, in the entity resolution space, the size of the market of people they might call it a customer dedupe or patient record matching, or they might yeah. call it, you know, identity matching or whatever. It comes by a lot of names. Yeah. There are plenty of people that know they need it. And that's our market right now. And I think that'll balloon out and then we'll pick up as a future market, those that need educating. Exactly. Those are, I want to go get them later. I don't, I don't need to spend any time teaching them yet. No. Okay. Well, that, that is, that is a luxury then. That's perfect. So yeah, what's next? What is your greatest aspiration from here? You know, uh, we've, had, we've had thousands and thousands of downloads and we're eager to get as much feedback as possible and, and, and really achieve this thing where entity resolutions really for everybody. It's, mm -hmm. it's for everybody everywhere and it's just going to solve a lot of problems. It really should be a mundane task and it's turned into a, a secretive, expensive thing. It, it's really just should be available. So I'm not going to rest till that's done. Good. So where can people go to find out more about Sensing and about you? Sensing, uh, Sensing.com, S-E-N-Z-I-N-G. There's a button on there that says download 
for free. Just click it. No trick, no gimmicks, no email address required. Just you can drop it down under your Windows or Mac or Linux and check it out. Okay. And to connect with you, what's the best um, place to I'm do Jeff that? Jeff Stenzing, uh, J-E-F-F -F at Stenzing.com. And I pride myself in answering every email I get from everyone. So I'd love to hear about any feedback or any questions. Good. Well, thank you very much. This was an inspiring call and I'll keep following you. Well, I've enjoyed the chat. Thank, thank you very much for letting me be part of your podcast series, man. And good it luck on the pleasure. book. Yeah, exactly. It was a pleasure from my side. And for everybody that's listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Jeff Jonas, founder and CEO of Sensing. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.